everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about the word see, S-E-E, and how we can develop a sixth sense to really see each other. You might as well know now that I am an acronym junkie. I, I love them, and I love using them to organize thoughts and revelations and epiphanies that I have. And I'm just warning you now, because as you get to know more about me, you'll see this as a recurring theme. Uh, and today's acronym is C S E E. Learning how to see and what I'm going to talk about today is something that my brother Bobby taught me. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end of the episode. But first, I want to dive right into this topic. Um, I witnessed something last year that really stuck with me when I was at an event. And it was a great example or illustration of this topic. And so, of course, I wrote about it. Um, I wrote this essay called The Blind Will See. It was published on the medium.com platform. And I'm going to read it for you now. The Blind Will See. I recently attended a major PGA event. After the superstars of the golf world finished sinking a putt in their 18th hole, the crowd left in droves. Hundreds of weary fans who had been out in the sun and on their feet all day following their favorite golfers from tee to tee, chasing their thirst with their drink of choice, now only wanted one thing, to get out of there as fast as possible. We crowded around the volunteers in bright yellow vests who were trying to herd all of us into a civil line to wait for the shuttle bus, and we surveyed our competition. There were only so many seats. Tension moved among us, taking up precious space, as people calculated their next move to ensure a spot on the bus. The next shuttle pulled in, crept up to the loading point, and unfolded its door. The crowd widened and moved forward as one, pulsing and pushing towards the open space that forced us to funnel one at a time on the bus. To our left, we heard a voice say, Excuse me, please make a way. Excuse me, excuse me. The crowd turned to look at who had the audacity to expect, expect such a thing. We saw a small, thin man who seemed to be 95 years old or so, with a cane in his right hand and a blue veteran's hat on his head. The crowd stilled and silently parted down the middle. I felt like I was witnessing a miracle, like Moses parting the Red Sea. We were united for just a moment, committed to helping this man get on the bus that we all so badly wanted to board. The crowd waited and watched while the old veteran shuffled to the door and boarded the bus one slow step at a time. It restored my faith in humanity that despite our selfish agendas, we still had the ability to pay respect to those who've come before us, to show kindness and compassion to someone who needed it. We could see that this man needed a seat faster than the rest of us, that he couldn't wait in line or navigate a pushy, aggressive crowd. We could see his advanced age and that he had served our country. None of this information was spoken to us. It was communicated visually. We could see it. We are a visual culture. We often say things like, I'll believe it when I see it, or show me the money, seeing is believing. We are innocent until proven guilty, and in order to convict someone, we need proof, physical evidence that we can look at. We want eyewitnesses. We are a skeptical and cynical bunch and like to see things for ourselves with our own two eyes. 
I wonder how the crowd would have reacted if when they turned toward the voice requesting special treatment, they saw an average-looking man or woman with no visible challenges, no visible reason to be allowed to the front of the line. Navigating this world can be a little easier when we communicate things about ourselves visually. We have to explain less. We still don't want people to make assumptions about us, of course, but there is information available to the onlooker. You can usually see advanced age, a broken leg in a cast, a wheelchair, or a uniform. It makes it easier to do the right thing, to treat people the way we should. But what about those people or situations that we encounter on a daily basis where we aren't given all the information that we need, where we don't know the full story? We make split-second judgments about people. You do it. I do it. The truth is, we don't see everything at first glance. Unfortunately, for those with invisible disabilities, the challenges they are faced with on a daily basis are not visible to the rest of us, especially at first glance. Those that live with PTSD, anxiety or panic disorder, epilepsy, narcolepsy, life-threatening food allergies, chronic lung disease, rheumatoid arthritis, or maybe an adult with a third-grade reading level may look like the rest of us. Information about why they might need to go to the front of the line or why they are taking longer than they should to check out or why they are standing on the street corner holding a sign is not immediately apparent. We are blind to the reason for their behavior. As a result, people with invisible disabilities are often judged, misunderstood, met with angry, impatient reactions to a request for special treatment. But the good news is, I believe we can develop a sixth sense to help us see what isn't obvious at first glance. The next time you see someone or something you don't understand and you feel a snap judgment rising to the surface in you, try this instead. Stop. Pause. Take a breath, a beat, a moment. Before you do or say something impatient or hurtful, take a moment to consider. Evaluate. Ask questions. Is there an impairment? Could there be more than what I see on the surface? Could there be more to the story? Empathize. Put yourself in their shoes. Give compassion. Stop. Evaluate. Empathize. See. If we take these steps, if we develop this sixth sense, it will change the way we see people. And that will change us, change them, change the world. I don't always get it right, but I will keep trying to get there, one slow step at a time. Perhaps we can have more miracles, like Moses and the Red Sea, or the tired golf crowd and the old veteran. Perhaps the blind will see. That's it for the essay. I told you at the beginning of this that my brother is the one who taught me to see. I wrote a memoir called Chasing the Merry-Go-Round, Holding on to Hope and Home When the World Moves Too Fast. And I wrote it because I wanted to tell my brother's story. I wanted people to see what life is like for someone like him. I also wanted to write this book because my brother changed the way I see people. In fact, one of the early working titles of my manuscript included the tagline, How My Brother Taught Me to See. And it really, it took me a lifetime, it seemed, with Bobby to learn this lesson, and I'm still still learning today. There was a moment of revelation that I distinctly remember. Uh, there's a chapter in the book titled Treasure, 
And I, and in this chapter, I recount the day that I realized that I needed to see differently. I, it was uh, one of those aha moments. And um, this is how it happened. Bobby and I were in the middle of one of our checking in at the end of the day phone conversations. Um, we speak on the phone frequently. And I was on the couch watching television, half listening to Bobby on the phone, when he started to tell me about the great deal he got on a used stereo and speakers for $25 at the thrift store. And I said, Bob, why? Why would you spend your money on a stereo? You already have two. I rolled my eyes. I threw my head back in frustration. And he said to me, yeah, but this one was nicer. Once I get it working, I'll sell the other two. Don't you think you should save your money for groceries or rent? I said. And he said to me words that um, changed my life. He said, you know, with the small life I have, things like this make me happy. And his last line stopped me in my tracks. He was right. I was wrong. Who was I to judge what made him happy? Who was I to judge someone with a different size life than mine? Used stereos and speakers from the thrift store were a waste of money to me, but to Bobby, they brought happiness. He loved a deal. He loved finding treasure in what other people considered drunk junk. He loved the challenge of fixing something that was broken. And in writing that book, my, my number one hope was that I could get other people to see differently as well. And I wanted them to see and understand people like my brother. I wanted to challenge our cultural norms and how we expect people to behave and act. And that people would begin to think twice before they judge someone who isn't living their life the way they think they should. Whether it's a family member, a stranger in the grocery store, or a man on a corner holding a sign. And I think we could all benefit from applying this sixth sense of C in many areas, especially today, right around mask wearing, politics. You know, just last week, uh, two weeks ago, I was in the doctor's office and um, there was a man, an older man who came in and he was really agitated and rude to the receptionist. He was very gruff. I was really getting annoyed at him and he didn't have his mask on properly. He had his nose sticking out and I was judging him all over the place. And I really had to, you know, for myself, go back to the sixth sense, you know, be like, okay, Kelly, you don't know what's going on with this guy. Um, we're in a doctor's office. I don't know what he's dealing with. Um, and so I really had to challenge myself with my own epiphany. And uh, especially with politics right now, right? Our country is divided. We just had the election. I have people very near and dear, dear to me who I love very much who voted for a person different than who I voted for. And I really, I really try to approach it and uh, use this sixth sense. And I really try to get beneath all the noise on the surface and the headlines and the news media and, and really try to understand what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? What is more to this story? Um, why are they voting for that person? What's really behind it? What's driving it? What is it that they believe? And or wh where do they feel threatened? Or how do they feel that this person is going to serve them better than another? And I, I've really tried to apply that. So I hope this episode challenges you to see. 
Um, you may think you've got it all figured out and you don't judge people um, and already live like this. But, you know, if you're like me, I think, you know, we're a work in progress. And like I said, I still find myself having moments where I need to remind uh, myself to stop, evaluate, and empathize. So thanks for listening to this topic that is very near and dear to my heart. We will be talking more about this in the future, and we're going to talk some more about invisible disabilities in future episodes. In the very next episode, we are going to um, dive into this memoir that I wrote that I told you about, Chasing the Merry-Go-Round. I want to tell you guys a little bit more about that. Um, as always, you can go to my website, kellybargabus.com slash podcasts. And if you got something useful by listening today, please subscribe, share, or review all there is. I'd appreciate it. And here's your call to action this week. Stop, evaluate, empathize, see. Take care. Take care.